Welcome, everyone. Well, believe it or not, we are in the home stretch of this crash course in folklore studies. Just one more session to go in which we're going to be venturing into the outer limits of folklore, so to speak, to boldly go where no one has gone before, as Captain Picard might say, and talk about materials that are no longer authentic folklore, according to those folklore purists, but instead materials that have been hybridized with pop culture. Now, if you remember our Venn diagram of folklore, pop culture, and elite culture, we're going to be going into that gray zone where folklore and pop culture overlap. We're going to be learning more about three different phenomena that we can find there, which folklorists call fake lore, folklorism, and the folkloresque. Now, for the longest time, folklorists have held more or less negative attitudes towards this hybrid stuff, treating it as something to kind of watch out for uh, in our quest for genuine traditional materials that are uncontaminated by pop culture. Nowadays, though, a, a new group of folklorists has kind of started rather boldly to study this hybrid folklore on its own terms, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So what's fake lore? Sounds kind of funny, right? Well, Here's a quick definition. Folklorists define fake lore to be fabricated folklore. In other words, it's pop culture or maybe even elite culture that falsely claims to be folklore. I just love this term. I also love that folklorists like to coin terms like fake lore. Uh, kind of what makes it, makes it kind of fun. Uh, it was invented by a famous folklorist at Indiana University named Richard Dorson in 1950. Dorson was also Alan Dundee's advisor, which makes him my grand advisor, I guess. Often fake lore is created for governmental or commercial interests. Uh, it's either that people want to sell you stuff that you'll buy if you think it's folklore, or that government officials or cultural organizers kind of want to show off something as being a part of a folk tradition to a wider public. Dundee's argues actually one reason that governments are interested in this is because of nationalist inferior inferiority complexes that certain countries feels, feel like they're lacking in authentic folk traditions, and so they have to invent fake ones. I don't know. Classic examples of fake lore are the Paul Bunyan tales, which Dorson was uh, kind of proving, he was adamant in proving that they were a fake tradition that was invented to sell trashy magazines about the Wild West. The Paul Bunyan legends were those stories you might have heard about, uh, the gigantic lumberjack with his giant axe, his trusty sidekick Babe the Blue Ox, the cowboy Picos Bill, a railway engineer John Henry. Well, it turns out all these stories were not genuine legends that actual people told in the West. Instead, as Dorson showed, Paul Bunyan stories were created in 1906 by a journalist named Edward O'Reilly. Another example is the Tooth Fairy, or maybe Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you might know. Think You think that he's always been part of Santa's team of reindeer? Nope. <laughs> Poor Rudolph was invented by an American department store called Montgomery Wards as part of their Christmas advertising campaign in 1939. Another recently invented tradition is called the Slender Man. This was this spooky creature with tentacles who they said stalked and abducted children. Lots of adolescents actually apparently totally believed that he exists, uh, but it turns out this character was invented as part of the creepy pasta sort of meme series around 2009 by a member of the Something Awful community named Victor Surge. Now, all these examples have been criticized as being not genuine folklore, as being presented as 
folklore when they're really just inauthentic forms of pop culture. Now, you might say, look, I didn't know that this wasn't folklore, and I've heard it in my oral traditions, and I spread it around myself, too. So isn't it folklore? Well, yes and no. I, w- I would probably agree with you since these traditions do have multiple existence and variation now, but folklorists, folklore purists would disagree. They'd say that because it came from pop culture, it's not genuine folk tradition, and it should be debunked and not studied. Okay, so that's fake lore, fake folklore. Now let's turn to another kind of unauthentic folklore that people call folklorism, or sometimes folklorismus if they're German. This was a term that was coined by the German folklorist Hans Moser, who worked a lot on urban folklore in the the 20th century. In his research, he found out that a lot of folklore in cities is actually folklore that's been taken out of its natural folkloric context and put into a commercialized one or maybe a touristic one or an official or governmental one. He called this secondhand folklore, and he labeled it folklorismus in German, which gets called folklorism in English. Basically, a folklorism is folklore that's put on stage, meaning it's performed outside of its normal or natural context. Imagine a folk song that's performed not in uh, in an informal group or in a village festival, but on stage at a theater or an arena, or maybe a professional dance company that performs pungmul or the peacock dance or bhangra and then sells the DVDs. Right? Or maybe when the Vancouver International Bhangra Festival is happening and it's broadcast live on TV. Often folklorismus is produced for touristic, commercial, governmental interests in order to create kind of an official identity for the community, to show off the community's cultural heritage as a matter of pride to the general public. So in order, to, in addition to dance festivals on stage, you can also think of things like ethnic theme parks or folklore villages. They're popular all over Asia, so you can see them in China. There's uh, Often you can go and experience life as an ethnic minority in China. Or in Japan, you can go to what, is, what are called furusato villages. These are kind of folklore villages, and they're found also in Korea or in India. Even in Appalachian, Kentucky, where I grew up in the U.S., you could go and witness uh, rustic folkloric lifestyles of the 1800s in these villages. Now, you might say that sounds awesome, right? What's wrong with putting Bhangra on stage or being able to go to a tourist gift shop or a village and buy a traditional kimono or a hat or whatever you want? What's wrong with tourism and commerce? Well, for folklorists, there are two issues in this. One is the kind of exploitative nature of these uh, touristic commercialized em- enterprises. And it's especially a problem when the community is already a marginalized minority cultural group uh, whose culture and their existence in some ways is vulnerable to this kind of exploitation and commodification. The other issue is that when tourism and commerce get involved, there's a new context that happens and it impacts the performance of the item itself. The audiences are now tourists, customers, right? Uh, The setting is now an artificial one, a stage, a hotel, a restaurant maybe, rather than a village square. Uh, The costumes are different. The dancing is arranged differently. The music is different. It's a fake context, and it kind of cheapens maybe or sanitizes the text. So this is why folklore purists also criticize folklorism along with fake lore as being not genuine, not worth studying. Right? Purists instead say, hey, just study genuine folklore. Watch out for that fake lore or folklorism. 
again, it's a purist position, but there's uh, there's some reasons to uh, why it's wrong to just dismiss fake lore and folklorism, and that's uh, and let's pay attention to that. For one, it's kind of clear that even if an item is fake lore or if it's folklorism, it still persists, right? Folk groups still enjoy it uh, and use it to help make sense of their lives. And so fake lore and folklorism can also be analyzed for its AIR values, just like we did with regular folklore. Uh, we can how, see how it expresses anxieties, how it's a part of a group's social identity, how it helps to establish relationships. Another reason we shouldn't just dismiss fake lore and folklorism is that folk groups themselves don't reject these as being inauthentic. People like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer just as much as they like Santa, right? People love going to folklore villages, buying traditional clothing. Uh, they like to see their friends and family dancing folk dances at school talent shows or contests, right? Even if those dances are supposed to be done at a village ritual during a harvest uh, festival or something like that. Finally, the other interesting thing is that when folklorists go out and collect folklore, they're also, in a way, creating folklorism. Think about it. Let's say you collect a superstition from your aunt. You put it uh, in the archives. You film it. Uh, now you've taken the item out of its natural context. You've frozen it. You're presenting it in this artificial setting of the online Asian folklore archives, right? Uh, sim similarly, all those kinds of items of stories, songs, recipes, proverbs, etc., that you might consider to be pure folklore, they also were created for the first time somewhere by somebody. And at that moment of creation, it hadn't gotten to become part of a folk tradition yet, right? It hadn't yet been passed from person to person. So it was technically fake lore at that moment. Eventually, after enough time passes, we forget that it was an invention, uh, the item just starts to feel traditional, but until then, it's fake lore, according to our definition. So, for all these reasons, there's a whole new group of folklorists who are now starting to say, hey, look, let's not ignore the stuff that's in the gray zones between folklore and pop culture, or folklore and elite culture. Let's not just call it fake lore, folklorism, and kind of sneer at it. Instead, let's treat it as hybrid folklore and start taking it seriously, studying it on its own terms as something that's valid and meaningful for the people who enjoy it. And that's what we'll be doing in our next segment. So stay tuned.